Welcome to the sermons of Our Savior Lutheran Church in Fort Capel, Saskatchewan. We pray that this may be a blessing to you, and God's Word would dwell richly within your heart. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Please be seated. When it comes to our Lord's parables, some of them have a single point of comparison. The other details do not correspond to anything in particular, but are used to move the story along and further this point. An example of this is the parable of the persistent widow. In that parable, a widow is denied justice by an unrighteous judge. So she cries out to him day and night for justice, and eventually, even though he is evil, he gives to her the justice that he had denied her. Christ uses this parable to teach us that we should be constant in prayer and not give up hope. The whole of the story illustrates this. We cannot say that the unrighteous judge represents God, because God is righteous. Rather, Jesus is saying that even if an evil man will eventually listen to someone he doesn't care for, how much more will God, who alone is perfectly righteous and loves us, hear our prayers? Other parables have different points of comparison throughout them to give us a fuller picture. For example, in the parable of the wheat and the tares, Jesus gives us a thorough explanation. The field is the world. The sower is the son of man himself. The seed is the word. The wheat are believers. The enemy is the devil. The tares are the hypocrites. The reapers are the angels. And the harvest is the close of the age. And the barn is our home in eternal life. And so when we look at this parable, we must make sure that we see the points of comparison properly. Rather, when we look at any parable, we must make sure we look at the comparison points properly, lest we do damage to our understanding of it. So in the first example, if we said the unrighteous judge represented God, we would be saying the parable taught us that God is evil and unrighteous and does not care for us, which is far from the truth and not what Christ is teaching by that parable. And so as we turn to our parable this morning, the parable of the workers in the vineyard, we hear the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. Thus, landowner went out to the marketplace throughout the day, hiring workers to work for him in the vineyard. At the end of the day, he asks his steward to pay all of the workers, the last first and the first last. In this parable, the landowner represents God. For all things are his, and he is gracious and merciful like the landowner is. The steward represents Jesus Christ. For the denarius is given to each worker through the steward, and all blessings which we have, both temporal and eternal, are mediated through Jesus Christ. The vineyard represents the church on earth, the kingdom of God, the reign of God's grace. This is a common picture of the church in both the Old Testament and in the New. The workers are those within the church visible, within the church on earth, both true believers and hypocrites, as we'll see. And the marketplace is the world, 
from which the laborers are called into the church. And so we come to the denarius. What does it represent? It cannot represent eternal life, just as the unrighteous judge cannot represent God. If the denarius represented eternal life, that would mean that we earn it, and that can't be the case. The scriptures are clear. We cannot earn our way into heaven by our own merits because we cannot fulfill the entirety of the law as would be necessary. In addition, if the denarius was eternal life, then that would mean that all of those who received the denarius are, receive eternal life including those who complained against the landowner, saying, this one has made these men equal to us, who have only worked one hour while we have worked in the burden and heat of the day. It's impossible for the denarius to be eternal life, because if that was the case, then this parable teaches us that in the world to come, some of the saints of God will grumble and complain against God in heaven for saving others. No, this can't be what the denarius represents. So instead, it represents temporal blessings, the blessings of this life that God gives to all who are in his church on earth. This blessing he gives both to believers and unbelievers, believers and hypocrites the same. This blessing he gives to those that work in his kingdom on earth and to those who work much and to those who work little. The last element, then, is the favor of the landowner. This remains only with those that don't complain, with those that didn't grumble. And so it's a picture of eternal life. Throughout this parable, there's two groups of laborers present. The first group are those first that were hired. The kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. Now, when he agreed with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. This group, when approached by the landowner, do not simply go to work trusting that he will pay them, but instead they sit down and negotiate and get a contract before going out to work. This group is infected with a mercenary spirit working for hire. They go to the vineyard simply to earn for themselves. For them, the labor then seems difficult, hard, and troublesome. These are those who Christ often calls hypocrites. They are those who have been called by Christ into his church, into the kingdom of God, into his reign and rule of grace. And yet, while they enter the visible fellowship of believers, they don't have true faith. They are those who think that they can earn their own way into heaven by their works or merit to think they can earn some measure of blessing, either temporal or eternal. They see righteousness in themselves, not in Christ. And so they measure themselves by their own works, and they find their life is a life of hard labor. They also represent those who begin well, but with a sincere faith, but over time their love grows cold, and they abandon the master who bought them. They do not finish the race, but they run with uncertainty and fight as one who beats the air. Although they have abandoned the race, for whatever reason, they remain within the visible fellowship of the church. And so like those who don't trust in Christ but in themselves, they also receive temporal blessings from God and the benefits that he, that he provides to all within his church on earth. 
even as he continues to call them to repentance and true faith. The second group of laborers are all the rest. See how these workers do not arrange a set contract beforehand. The landowner went out at the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace and said to them, You also go into the vineyard, and whatever is right I will give you. So they went. Again he went about the sixth and the ninth hour and did likewise, and about the eleventh hour he went out and found others. So these do not ask for anything. They trust that the landowner will be good and just, and that he will provide for them. This whole group, no matter what hour they were hired, or how long they worked, work joyfully and willingly. At the end of the day, they don't complain, even though many of them have also borne the burden and the heat of the day. For them, it was no burden at all. These, of course, are all those with faith in Jesus Christ who do not trust their own works or merit, but trust in his goodness and mercy. They trust that just as he has worked to win salvation for them by his death and resurrection, and just as he has by his grace called them from standing idle in the world, he will provide for their earthly needs in the church. And so trusting in Jesus Christ has set them free from sin and death because of this, they set out joyfully to work in his realm and reign of grace. This is the way of the Christian, that we who have been justified by his grace through faith willingly and freely work and labor in love. With certainty in Christ, we run the race that we may obtain the imperishable crown. We discipline our bodies and bring them into subjection that we might exercise temperance and self-control in all things. We seek to serve our neighbor according to our vocations with acts of love for their sake, so that husband and wife love and honor each other, father and mother raise godly children in the fear of the Lord, children honor and respect their parents, so that all seek to seek the good of the poor, the needy, the downtrodden, and the outcast, that all seek to protect their neighbor's good name and reputation, and that all seek to share the gospel of salvation through faith in Jesus Christ, so that all may believe. All work in the vineyard of the church according to their various callings with which God has called them, not thinking to earn anything, not seeking to profit, but because God has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light, because he has called us out of the world into his kingdom. And thus the hours represent different qualities of work rather than different lengths of time, no matter how long one has been a Christian. For the one who, having been an unbeliever his entire life, sees the courage and faith of the martyrs and then confesses the name of Christ and is killed along with them, has borne more of the heat of the day than one who has lived a long and quiet life serving their neighbor. Yet we see that God is pleased with all good works on account of Christ, and he gives temporal blessings and gifts to all who work in his kingdom according to his grace. And this is what upsets the first group so much. When evening had come, the owner of the vineyard said to his steward, Call the laborers and give them their wages, beginning with the last 
to the first. And when those came were hired at the eleventh hour, they each received a denarius. But when the first came, they supposed that they would receive more, and they likewise each received a denarius. And when they had received it, they complained against the landowner, saying, These last men have worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us, who have borne the burden and the heat of the day. But the landowner answered and said to them, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what is yours and go your way. I wish to give to the last man the same as to you. Is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with my own things? Or is your eye evil because I am good? So the last will be first and the first last, for many are called but few chosen. The first group are those who relied on works righteousness or have fallen away while remaining in the church visible, and they set themselves against others. They don't have their eyes on Christ and on his mercy and grace, but rather on themselves. They compare their works to the works of everyone else, and they see themselves coming out as better, more deserving than everyone else. They see how they have worked much and Another has worked little, and yet God is pleased with the works of both. And he is pleased more so with the works of the latter, for they're done in faith. And even though they have done little, God still provides for these people. He provides for their needs of body and soul. He still cares for them, still loves them. This infuriates that first group. They expected more because of their merit. They have done the spiritual calculus, and they think that they should receive more. How could God seem to bless these who look so lazy in comparison? How could God provide for them when they don't deserve it? They see God's mercy. They see God's grace, and they hate it. They would rather that he bless according to the scale specifically the scale with which they have measured themselves and found themselves perfect. To these ones, the Lord gives a solemn rebuke. Friend, which is not the friendly way of saying friend, but more guy, fellow. I'm doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what is yours and go your way. I wish to give this last the same as to you. Is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with my own things? God is justified in what he does. He provides for all and blesses all who work in his church, those who work much and those who work little, those who work joyfully in faith and those who work trusting in their works. In this life, he blesses all, but in the end, those who have spurned God's grace who have had it held before them all their lives and yet reject it, are rejected in turn. They receive from God good things in their life, and they have already received their reward. And so the Lord says, take what is yours and go. They're sent out of his presence, out of the joy of their master, and are sent to the places of darkness, weeping and gnashing of teeth. For though they thought highly of themselves, they did not even deserve the temporal blessings of God, but he gave those to them out of his grace, not because of their works. 
So it is the first group is sent away, but all the rest, all those who worked joyfully, trusting in the Lord, receive the favor and goodness of the householder. This group enters into the joy of their master, and they come into everlasting life. These last trusted not in themselves, not in their works, but in God's grace and mercy on account of Jesus Christ. They did not compare themselves to others, but kept their eyes on Christ. They received what they did from God with an, without an evil eye towards others, but with joy and thanksgiving. They recognize that all that they have received, they have received by grace. And so when they see others receiving by grace as well, it's a joy, a blessing in itself to see others receive his grace. So it is that we must ensure that the constant temptation of the flesh to compare ourselves to others, the temptation to seek rewards are not indulged, but rather that we continue always with our eyes on Christ Jesus alone. For he is one salvation for us, and he freely gives it to all who trust in him. Yes, he has called us from the idleness of this world to work in his kingdom of grace. So let us work, not seeking a reward or seeking to raise ourselves higher than others, but because of what he has done for us, and out of love for him and one another. Let us, by God's grace, humble ourselves before him, so that he who has done much for us and continues to do so, out of his grace and love, may raise us up at the proper time. And may God bring us at the last into his everlasting kingdom by his grace, through faith in Jesus Christ our Lord, who alone has earned our salvation for us. Amen. And now the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Thank you for joining us. May the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, bless and preserve you always. Amen.